brand loyalty really, for most categories, does not exist, especially with the younger market, with the millennials and, and even younger. DigitalMarketingRadio.com, the big interview with David Bain. Is it necessary to persuade people to buy from you online or can great informative content do the job for you by itself? What types of content marketing don't work anymore? And do you need to cover as many bases as possible when publishing your content or is it focusing on just one platform best? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask today's special guest, Mickey Launcher. Mickey, welcome to DMR. Hi, David. Nice to be with you. Oh, great to have you here. Well, um, Mickey describes himself as a chief persuasion officer, a media-neutral content creator, crafting big ideas for marketers of all sizes and finding creative ways to amplify them through the integration of great customer experience. So, Mickey, is it possible to build a great business nowadays without being a regular content creator? Uh, I think it's possible. It's almost like uh, if you're very well known, you have an established reputation already, people are already spreading good words about you. Um, yes, it is possible. But for most of us who don't have the luxury of having, you know, been around for 25 years and have <laughs> a very loyal customer base, uh, content marketing is a way to really connect with potential customers and, and fans. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, the biggest changes, I think, since I'll say in the last 20 years, but it's really speeded up recently, has been the change of sort of control of the marketing process from the marketer to the consumer or the user. You know, it used to be that uh, if I'm a marketer, I kind of controlled, especially the communication. You really only heard what I wanted you to hear whether it was through paid advertising or public relations or whatever. I also determined where you can find this product, pretty much how much you'll pay for it, uh, and on and on. So in that process, you were just getting a lot of information from me, no one else. Well, these days, you know, communication, data, information is everywhere. And like as, as an example, if I were to purchase a, a, an item that I don't buy every day, like say a, a dishwasher, something like that, where I don't really have a lot of the knowledge necessary to make a good decision on my own. Uh, I can find all sorts of information about it just by reading consumer blogs or chat rooms, people who've had experiences with a particular brand or had problems with it. Amazon, for example, where you can buy appliances these days. Uh, you'll read reviews from People who really liked it, people who didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. I could do comparisons with other units. I could shop for the, for the best price. I can do all that without ever involving the marketer. So it's really important for mar marketers to really understand that, how this process is working and that these days you're really just one voice of thousands that consumers are getting. And content marketing really is a way to make that voice relevant that you have, to uh, really anticipate people's needs, to help them along their journey, and to kind of be seen as the good guy, you know, the guy who really was there that helped me out without in my, having in mind that, well, if I give you this information, then I expect you to buy my product from me. Okay. And, and do you think content marketing will really be applicable for every single type of business to focus on in the future? Because obviously, to a certain degree, it's in the hands, as, as you mentioned, 
of consumers and that um, if you're a business that produces inferior quality products or services then you're really going to get a battering online um, so to begin with obviously you've got to focus on your products and service but in terms of getting your name out there or actually getting people to discuss your product do you have to be the person that is simply willing just to engage with your consumers on review sites or do you have to produce high quality original content yourself that would act as a place that your consumers would go to to start commenting on? Well, uh, the type of content that one creates really is dependent on uh, many things. Who are you as a company? What I like to do in this process when I talk to marketers is kind of work backwards in the whole thing. Not say, well, let's develop the content and people will come to us eventually. But really start with the actual customer experience as it is. You know, that means finding out as much as we can about the people who are buying from us, finding out what their pain points are, where we fit in. You know, one thing about having a voice is we tend to want to use it too much and say everything. Uh, there are times when consumers are looking for our advice and our expertise and times when they're not. It's important for us to really dissect the customer experience, the path to purchase, so that we can anticipate where our knowledge, where our experience can be of help to people. With that in mind, you know, once you have that sort of mapped out, uh, look at your company, look at your organization. What are your strengths? You know, this is a part of marketing that's been around forever. How are you distinguishing yourself from your competition? And usually, you know, if you can do this with an unbiased eye, you'll come down to maybe one or two things that you may feel you do better than anybody else. And what I urge people to do at that point is, you know, ask a question, ask a few questions. You know, number one, is this truly differentiating? Is, are you really doing this and nobody else is? Uh, the second thing we ask is, is this relevant to your consumer? Or is it something you're just doing because it feels good? The third thing is, and this might be the most important, is it true? Is it true in every case? And if you can answer yes at some point to all of these, then I say, find the thing that really distinguishes you and just Amplify that. Just make that so that anybody who experiences you in some way, shape, or form will have an opportunity to experience what you see as your differentiating detail. You know, so really it's starting kind of with the experience and working backwards. Once you know what that one thing, we'll say that is, what that one thing is that, that truly differentiates you, makes you relevant, makes you stick out from the crowd, that is kind of where the platform for your content can come from. In other words, if you know, here's a perfect example. I can give you a, an example of a client I just recently worked with. It's a fairly large retirement community. And if you go on their website or if you would have gone on their website a few months ago, you'd, you'd see it looks typically like just about any other uh, retirement community site. You know, it has pictures of active seniors. It has, you know, floor plans of their units and so on and so on. But if you put yourself in the position of uh, people who are really in the process of buying, as I mentioned, the dishwasher, this is one of those other things that you don't have a lot of experience purchasing or even looking at. Well, how do I evaluate one versus another? We don't have that information. So where are we going to find that? Well, kind of where we go to find everything these days, which is the Internet. Find out what you can find from the Internet or trusted friends or whatever. And so we put together a content strategy that wasn't about retirement communities. It was about graceful aging. 
about healthy aging. How do you age health in a healthy manner? And so, yeah, some of it we talked about, you know, here's kind of what you look for when you're planning uh, a move to downsize or whatever. But a lot of it was just information on, you know, some things that may be of help when it comes to uh, your physical abilities or what kind of workouts seem to work best at different ages and for people with different conditions. You know, we covered a gamut of things and it was all brought to you by this uh, retirement community. And really, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty new system. It's only, we've only been doing this for less than half a year, but we've already seen a tremendous amount of uh, engagement, not just with the content, but drawing in people that we wouldn't have necessarily thought were of the, in, in the market we were looking for. In this case, one of the major decision makers or co-decision makers in this process would be the adult children of the retiree. They, they have a, a place in this. They're very comfortable using the internet. They're very com- comfortable searching for information. So just being there, anticipating what their search is, optimizing for the search terms that they're probably looking for, you have more and more of an opportunity to have your content front and center. It's really a way that, that you can truly differentiate yourself from you know, the 600 other uh, retirement homes that are fighting for business. Okay, so you've established who your customers are and what they want um, and probably what content is appropriate to produce. How do you make a decision in terms of where to publish the content and what medium to use, whether you should use a large infographic or a video or a large piece of written content and and where that piece of content should be published? I've found with, uh, with most marketers, you know, the main thing is to make them as comfortable as possible in this content marketing world. Uh, a lot of times they can hear what's going on or hear a case study and it just, you know, they're frozen into inaction. What I try to do is sort of demystify it as much as I can and start with the, the thing that you're already doing great things that are making you successful. Let's talk about those and then talk about why people think they're so great. As I mentioned, that's kind of your platform. Probably for most marketers, I'd say the, the best way to get going on something like this would be to, to start a blog. A blog is an ideal way. It's the voice of your organization. You can directly address points of interest. You can directly, you know, the other thing is you, you can get tremendous feedback from a blog also by even just looking at analytics, you know, how many views did, did this subject get versus this one uh, or by the comments that, that are coming in or by the number of times it's been uh, passed on to others you know, how it's spread. And that kind of helps you focus in on the type of content that's most useful for people. And that kind of, you know, that feedback is very important when it comes to planning for uh, future content. So I guess I'm sort of, once again, sort of dancing around this a little bit. But primarily, I would say a blog would be the, the best way to start out. And once you have you know, an established blog, an established voice, say you've got three, six months or a year's worth of content that you've been dutifully cranking out, you're, you're going to be very comfortable with that situation by then. And you can actually then find other ways to amplify that. And it's very, I don't say simple, but it, it doesn't take a lot of brilliance to figure out how you can actually do this. You know, once again, it's kind of looking at the customer and saying, what are their habits? How do they want to get this content? An example I use with some clients is to emphasize the importance of video and how it's been growing. And you can find videos on just about anything. And it's like saying, okay, if you went to Ikea and bought one of those wretched 
cabinets that you have to put together, you sort of have a choice. Would you rather, you know, look at that cryptic kind of drawing and figure out what goes where, or would you rather spend 10 minutes on YouTube watching somebody put it together? Mm. You know, and that's kind of how our life has become. It's, it's, uh, video is really kind of the, uh, the shortcut content, you know, very, uh, concise, very short, very to the point, very specific. And it's, it's friendly too. It's, you know, you get more engagement with a video than I think you do with the written word. It was interesting. Um, you talking about, um, publishing on your own blog initially, because to a certain degree, that's where it all starts to establish yourself as an authority within a certain industry type. Um, unless you start doing that and, um, do that for both search engines and users. You don't build a site, obviously, just for search engines, but part of the process of publishing content on a regular basis will increase your authority in the eyes of both users and search engines, and then, of course, um, moving out, publishing content elsewhere. But with publishing content um, on a regular basis that's informative, that's engaging, I guess the next challenge is where is the call to action? Um, is it appropriate to ask for a sale within an informative piece of content? Or should you be a little bit more subtle in terms of asking people to make some kind of purchase decision? Yeah, I think if you interview 10 people, you might get uh, 10 different answers to this, <laughs> you know, about how much the, you know, when, when do you ask for the order really is kind of what you're asking. Yeah. The one thing that marketers can do, I mean, one of the th challenges that they, they've had for quite a while now has been that brand loyalty really, for most categories, does not exist, especially with the younger market, with the millennials and, and even younger. It's like, you know, they don't really care about brands. Uh, you really have to earn each, each fan, each customer that you get. And more and more, you find yourself, you may get a customer today, but, you know, when they're in the market again, they're not going to automatically come to you and not look at anybody else. You're going to have to fight for that transaction once again. And that is if, you know, you're not doing anything to really differentiate yourself. You're not there as a partner to the uh, consumer, helping them along in the process. If all you're doing, the only contact they have with you is, you know, they tell you something a little nice and they say, oh, by the way, if you buy now, you know, we'll throw in this you know, these cool scissors or something like that, mm -hmm. then you're sort of missing an opportunity. You, um, really, a lot of it, I would say, is a leap of faith. It's the faith that if, you're, if your content is good, if your content is relevant to people, if it really truly does help them, they'll come back. You know, and th these are things you can actually measure. You know, you can see it in uh, analytics. You can track histories. You know, if we had X, X number of people saw this specific content, you know, within three or four months, how many of those people contacted us on their own again or came in to try something or actually bought from us? You know, so you can kind of check that out. And one of the things that opens marketers' eyes, and I'll, I'll tell them up front, I'll say, look, you may be gung-ho about this right now, but, you know, the phone's not going to ring 15 minutes after your first blog post goes out. This thing takes a long time to build. Uh, Google loves blogs, but only if they're relevant and only if you continually go at it. You know, if you're, pub if you're publishing on a regular schedule, um, you know, and, and you're not optimizing for the same keywords that everybody else is, you'll got a good chance of rising in the, uh, on the pages, um, like crazy without really even having to spend money on optimization. I guess getting to the heart of the matter, it, the relationship is what's really important. 
relationship over transactions. That's what I try to talk to marketers about. You know, what you're trying to do with the customer is build a relationship. If I have a relationship with you, then yeah, I'm going to come back to you. Even if I don't buy from you, I'm going to give you a shot. You know, I'm going to, in good faith, check you out again. Uh, and once you have that, you know, build that trust through the relationship. You know, you'll start seeing mountains move. I mean, you'll start seeing that the word will get out more and more. That whole you'll be able to take a, uh, advantage of the viral loop. You know, you'll find yourself showing up in places that you never anticipated showing up in. People sharing experiences in ways you never thought they would. So I guess, you know, is there an appropriate time for a call to action? Um, for, you know, clients are going to differ industry to industry and situation to situation. But I think it's never a bad idea to do it in a subtle way. For example, if, if you do publish a blog, within the content, you don't have to be asking for an order. But you can make it clear in the layout of your and design of your, uh, your actual blog that you can talk a little bit about yourself in the sidebar. You can actually talk about the services you offer and give a contact number. So you're really not overselling. You're just sort of giving them additional information about you and sort of letting them connect the dots. I guess the main challenge is that it's not necessarily a type of marketing activity that will result in an immediate sale. It's not like a pay-per-click ad where you're targeting a very purchase-orientated keyword phrase and you're likely to get that sale or a brand keyword phrase obviously so if you're discussing this particular challenge with someone who's been a director of business for 10 20 years or so then perhaps there's someone that um, is used to marketing activities that you can measure directly or at least try to measure directly um, so content marketing is a little bit like social media a little bit um hard to define um, and therefore probably hard to persuade someone who's been involved in, in, in measurable marketing activities for a long time to, to, to be willing to move to that type of activity instead. Yeah, it is a challenge. Um, you know, I myself, I've been in the business for over 30 years. So, you know, I came into the business in the days of uh, Ruby Lith and, you know, I mean, there, we barely had movable type. In <laughs> but you adapted and moved with the times. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you kind of saw the whole gamut. But uh, as you really see how, and, and the way I got into this wasn't so much from a, a platform standpoint, but really from uh, getting into consumers' heads. Our agency does uh, consumer panels about once a month, and they're, they're, they're kind of like focus groups, but we use the same people over and over again. So we have a, a core of about 20 people that will rotate in and out month to month. And we'll just discuss different categories. We'll just discuss different um, transactions they've had or experiences. And the benefit of doing that really was we kind of got a chance to look under the hood, so, so to speak, and not really – and sort of get beyond what they expect be asked about in a certain transaction, but really get down to how it feels for them. And – where they were disappointed in a transaction and where they thought it just excelled. And understanding that really gave me an opportunity to say, well, how do you communicate that? I mean, you really can't communicate that through paid advertising. Uh, you can try, but it's like, I think people believe about 20% of what you say anyway. So there's no guarantee that that's going to come through. I think it's really about doing and about having people experience it and share it. Uh, a lot of times the breadcrumbs that need to be connected for most marketers is you're right. I'm going to spend this money over here. What's going to come out on the other end? What's my uh, uh, return on that investment? 
Well, if you think about it, any kind of media we've been doing, we've been acting on faith anyway. You know, well, we'll put a couple of million into a, a TV campaign. And how, how are we really measuring that? You know, I mean, we, we have, uh, you know, Nielsen doing books or doing, uh, you know, small st- uh, surveys of people. And, you know, we're betting millions of dollars against that. But yet it seems to work out, you know. So I think that there's precedent for understanding that, you know, it's not just a bunch of uh, hocus pocus and we're just trying to get you to spend money on something without knowing whether or not it's going to pay off. But really, you know, having defined goals is always important. And then figuring out how you're going to get there. Which holes do you have to plug to kind of get there? Absolutely. The um, mindset is really changing. It has changed. Online marketing effectively has is, is only really been happening for the past 10 years, perhaps even less than that to a certain degree for most industry sectors. It's just incredible to think what may happen over the next 10 years or so, because if so much has happened, I mean, seven, eight years ago, it was possible to get paid traffic for a penny per click. Um, now, many industries are paying $50 per click. It's it's not necessarily going to be viable for certain businesses to keep on doing that. So, But online is where consumers are. So where do you go to engage with consumers, to build your own client lists and really keep customers for the long term? That has to be content marketing and marketers have to become better at doing that in the future. Absolutely. And the great thing about a content program is, well, you know, you, you publish once and use many times. You can find ways to use content that you've uh, put out there that people have responded to. You could do the videos, you can do events. You can do a lot of different things really wrapped around the same kind of content that you've uh, started with. Uh, So you can leverage uh, everything you've done. But it's also there 24-7. It's there forever. You know, they always say, well, once you're online, you know, forget about it. You can't back down that that, uh, awful photo from Cabo San Lucas is going to show up somewhere, you know, and probably with the guy you're interviewing with. But uh, that can be used to your advantage, especially if you have a solid content platform you build a, a an impressive vault of content. It just goes on and on forever. You know, in, in my particular case, I've been keeping a marketing blog since like 2007, you know, before I even knew what a blog was, I was doing mm-hmm. it. But, uh, you know, I'm still getting plenty of traffic on some of the stuff I published five years ago, you know, and it's like, really? I thought it was dead by now. But uh, if you put out relevant content that's sort of evergreen, you know, that's not dependent on events that are happening today, mm. uh, people are going to come back and find it over and over again. And even if it's not that relevant in the future, search engines will still rank it possibly. And um, yes. it'll act as a place, uh, as an initial funnel into your website. Then people will find your up-to-date relevant content from there. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, when you're always creating content, you're really keeping in mind the ecosystem of your brand. Our goal here is not just to have content read and liked and have people make comments on it, but really to get to know us better, whether it's through the website, uh, getting to know other things that we do, engaging with us on social media to see how we communicate with people who are customers and fans. All this is very important, but it really does, the hub of it really, I think, is content, because without it, everything is going to be very disjointed. It, it, things are going to happen on more of a, a reflex, or you're responding to something rather than you know, intentionally setting up, here's who we are, and here's how we're going to communicate that. And you know, your point about search engine optimization is, is a very good one. I mean, it, it was just a few years ago, 
you know, everybody was trying to figure out the best way to do optimization and which words do I have to buy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, you find out that everybody in your category is bidding on the same words, you know, and that's why you're getting these $50, $300 and whatever clicks. And, you know, in some cases, that's it may be worth that, that uh, those figures. But a lot of times you can take advantage of what I call the, the long tail search. If I have a specific problem, you know, I may be searching, and, and Google's been much better at this, too. I mean, right now, you can put anything in their search bar, and, and something relevant will come up. You know, so you can type in a question. You can type in half of a phrase of something and not really know what you're looking for, and it'll find something that's relevant for you. So even optimizing for long-tail terms like that, uh, you know, and that was an example I actually showed to our retirement home client. I, we talked about the platform. We talked about the idea of, uh, you know, healthy aging. And so I said, well, let's just type in healthy aging and see what comes up. And, you know, there was like one magazine and that was about it. You know, there was nobody else that was even anywhere near that. So I said, look, you can own this territory. You haven't paid a penny for the words, you know. And I think more and more as you get better at uh, content marketing and at understanding the path to purchase and some of the hiccups that people are having and the frequently asked questions that customer service is getting and so on and directly addressing them, you're going to find just your organic search results being very impressive. I could carry on this conversation about content marketing because um, obviously um, what you were saying there about um, healthy aging, it all starts with keyword phrases as well um, because um, you have to be aware of what people are likely to search for to find the type of business that that you are because um, it's easy as you as a business to presume that um, you know what customers are are likely to call you but unless you do that independent research and 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 really find out what kind of phrases people are likely to use then you're guessing so don't do any guessing to begin with but um <laughs> let, let, let's move on to the second part of our discussion because because that that, that that focuses on your thoughts on where digital marketing's is and been and and where it's going um so starting off with software i couldn't live without what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you it would significantly impact the success of your business well i'm really a uh, google addict so pretty much anything that google uh, <laughs> offers in their universe i'm using in one way shape or form now i love that their platforms because they're easy to share uh they're cooperative and you know that they really do the cloud probably better than anyone. Uh, so those are the ones I really can't do without. Uh, a few other things I really find that, you know, if, if these were taken away, I'd probably throw a tantrum, would be uh, uh, Dropbox. You know, I use that mm. all the time as far as, you know, sharing uh, content on the fly with whether it's colleagues or uh, uh, clients or, or I also teach classes with, with students. It's just a great way to disseminate content to whoever you want to send it to directly. And also, uh, Hightail, I use quite a bit. Uh, that's the, what did it used to be called? Something else. But, uh, you know, it's how you can send these massive files. If I want to send, uh, for example, seven TV spots to uh, a client for approval, it's like, how in the world am I going to send them, you know, that much content? But, you know, putting it in the cloud on uh, Hightail, and it just lets them download it right off the Internet. 
I'm just doing a little search online here as well because there was, there was one um, WeTransfer.com. That was the one that um, I've used, but um, it's 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 incredible um, the size of files that you can send. I mean, that's uh, sending te- ten gigs there, but I'm sure for paid services you can send even more. Yeah, and I always tell the story. This is kind of you know off the subject a little bit, but you know, I talk about the first hard drive I ever bought in my life, which was like in 19. 19- 90 or something mm. like that we were using the old mac plus you know the small little tower thing with the two inch screen and the whole deal and i finally had an, too much stuff to keep on like floppies you know my floppies yeah, yeah. were filling up i had a stack of them it was getting kind of ungainly so i figured i better buy a hard drive so i head down to the store and, and they say well you can buy a, a 20 meg or a 40 meg and I said, you know, I'm going to buy the 20 because I'll never fill it up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, absolutely. That's one photo now, you know. <laughs> I had um, I'd, I'd a top-of-the-range um, PC back in 1999, and that was 5 gigabyte hard drive. And, oh, yeah. And that was... Um, Surely I'll, I'll never use all that, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you always say that. But um, I think the standard computer now that's being sold is about two terabyte, about about uh, two thousand gigs, isn't it? So amazing. Yeah, I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I think in the early days of uh, online marketing, you know, we still tried to use the same sort of. Uh, uh, tactics that we used offline. You know, we had banner ads that looked like outdoor boards, you know, or, uh, you know, everything was done in a, in a sort of, we control the message kind of way. We didn't really know how the internet was going to work. Uh, it's only been within the last, oh, like you say, five or 10 years that we've really understood that, uh, you know, it's not just a, uh, an intrusive medium. It's something that is engaged from the other side. People come to us. And if, and if we're not you know, what they're looking for, they're going to drop us like a hot potato. So I'd say that probably was the biggest mistake that a lot of uh, online marketers, myself included, made in the early days, which was looking at the internet as just another advertising medium, another way to attract eyeballs. Best advice I've ever received. What's the best piece of digital marketing advice that you've ever received? Well, I would say um, be authentic, uh, be transparent. Uh, the way that people can find out things these days, it's like if, you, like you, as you mentioned earlier, if you create a crappy product, you know, word's going to get out right away, and there's nothing you can really do to save yourself. So, how do you fix that? Well, you don't make crappy products. You know, you don't have crappy customer service. You don't, you know, you don't do things that you know are going to piss people off. So, uh, I'd say, you know, just being as transparent and as uh, focused on customer service as you can. That's a great place to start with just about any program, whether you're an online marketer or not. The this or that round. Okay, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. We're just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Uh, sure. <laughs> email or Twitter? I still say email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Uh, display advertising. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook, still. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Ah, SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Uh, Still website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. 
Local marketing or global marketing? Uh, local marketing. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a digital marketing activity, just a single one, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Well, being that we're talking about content marketing, I think the uh, answer is pretty, pretty self-evident. I would definitely spend money on, on content. Spend it on the content. That will give us uh, uh, a nice platform to move forward on, to leverage in, in a lot of different ways. And it also throw in, uh, put in a good word for uh, search engine optimization, because that really works hand in hand with any good contact, content program. You know, it, it understands what people are looking for. It knows the best way to get a specific blog post, you know, to be optimized. Wonderful. Okay, so great solid base for your website to begin with because obviously if you start driving lots of traffic to your site and you've got nothing there in terms of valuable content and a website that, that, that works well then it's not worth it exactly there's a lot of moving parts in this whole thing and any one of them can bring you down at any time my number one takeaway well mickey you've, lo- you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation but what's the number one takeaway what's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses today? I guess I would say uh, when engaging customers or prospects to really respect the relationship over the transaction uh, by anticipating ways you can help people. It gives you an idea of the type of content that you can create, you know, the type of opportunities you may have to uh, win over customers, things like that. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Thanks so much for your time, your focus, and your willingness to give back. Oh, you're very welcome, David. Well, what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Well, I do have a website. It's mickeylonchar.com, M-I-C-K-E-Y-L-O-N-C-H-A-R.com. Go on there, have some fun, bring the kids, you know, whatever. (laughs) Wonderful. Thanks again. Okay, thank you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast, delivered as a weekly digital magazine, automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing.